How many of you have ever lost something? Keys. How many of you ever lost your keys? You know, I t today, <laughs> today, I lost my keys today. I, there is very little uh, that is more frustrating than losing your keys. I had them. I, I knew where they were. Um, I, I got into the house. I'm not locked out. I got into the house, and I, now I can't find my keys. And you never lose them, like, in the middle of the afternoon when nothing's going on. You never lose them when, you know, it's just a, a, a Tuesday afternoon and, and, and don't have anywhere to be. When do you lose your keys? When you've got to be out the door in, like, two minutes. And it's like, where are my keys? And you go tearing through the house. Uh, you're turning everything upside down. You're looking on desks. You're looking on countertops. Uh, you are looking through coat pockets, through uh, dirty jeans pockets. Where are my keys? You know what I do when I lose my keys? I pray. I pray. And I, I, I don't use prayer like a genie in a bottle. I just, I just pray. I say, God, you know where my keys are, and I don't. Please show me where my keys are. Inevitably, the keys will turn up. He will, something pops in my mind. Uh, you had them uh, in the living room, uh, and you put them down where you never put them down, but uh, they're there now. And I go in there, and there are my keys. So I, 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 just, I just pray about it, and God shows me where my keys are. It's amazing. And I thank him for it immediately on the spot. Anyway, so I, when you lose your keys, it's a frustrating thing. And when you lose your keys, what do you do? You search for them. How many of you ever lost like 20 bucks? Have you ever lost $20? I don't mean like betting on the Bears are going to beat the Packers. <laughs> oh, man. That one just came to me, too. That wasn't the first service didn't get that one. No, no, no. I, I'm talking like you lose 20 bucks or 50 bucks. How many of you ever lost like $50 or and, and, and you just you, you misplaced it? You can't find it. You don't know where it is and you need the money and you need to put it in your checking account. And this happened to me recently. A couple months ago, I had some cash. I never carry cash. It's just like I just don't do it. And I had cash in my checkbook and I was going to go to the bank and I was going to deposit it. I go to the bank. I pull up in the drive through. I see the girl behind the counter. Hi. And I reach in my back pocket to pull my checkbook out, and I open the checkbook, and there's no money in it, literally and figuratively, because there's no money in the checking account, and there's no money in the where the cash was, and I don't know where it is. And I look at the girl at the behind the window, and I go, I'll be right back. And panic sets in. My heart is racing. I get in the car. I, I, I didn't get in the car. I was in the car. I stay in the car. I drive home as fast as I can within the speed limit because I'm a good driver. I go home as quickly as I'm allowed to. I get home. I jump out of the car. I go into the house. I go up to the desk where I do all the financial stuff, and I'm looking at the desk. What are you looking for? Money. What money? My money. I don't know where my money is. I can't find my money. And we're not talking like $20 in my We're talking like a significant amount of cash that I needed to deposit now. And, and I'm, I'm digging through the desk, and I'm looking on the counters, and I'm, I'm grabbing jeans out of the dirty clothes, and I'm going through the pockets, and I can't find this money. I don't know where it is. It was in the checkbook, and now it's gone. So I pray, because that's what I do when I can't find stuff. Lord, where's this money? You know I need this money. Where's this money? I go back out to the car, and I'm digging around, and, and there I open the door, and, and, and I I find the money. It was sitting on the seat. What had happened is when I pulled my checkbook out of my pocket, 
the money fell out underneath me. But see, when I was in the car, I got out so fast to go into the house, I didn't even notice that the money was right there. I found the money. But how did I find the money? I searched for it because it was lost. So I searched for it. How many of you ever um, lost your children? Lost your kids? This happened to us not too long ago. Uh, It was a couple years ago. A couple years ago, uh, Shannon and I were, uh, it was between services. Uh, No, no, no. It was, I think it was actually before service. And uh, we were hanging out and stuff. And and, uh, I see this, this panicked look on my wife's face. And she says these words that I hope I never hear again. Have you seen Jonathan? What do you mean, have I seen Jonathan? No, I haven't seen Jonathan. Hey, what? Where is he? I don't, I don't know. And, and we begin to run through the building. Now, some of you may remember this morning. Uh, we ru- we're running through the building. We are searching every classroom that we can find. We are searching the bathrooms. We're searching the downstairs classrooms, the nursery preschool area. We, I run out to the parking lot. I'm running around the parking lot looking for him, and I can't find him. I'm praying. I'm wishing that he had never learned to walk because I don't know where he's gone. And I'm just freaking out, searching for my son. You know where he was? He was hiding under the information station. What? He says, what? What? The what is that you are not, now, I didn't know where you were. I was freaking out. And so I searched for him because he was lost. You see, when we lose things, what do we do? We search for them. We try to find them. We go after them. We search for them. Now, things that are important to us, we search for. When we can't find them. Today we're going to continue in our story, our study of the story of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. And we're going to keep, we're going to talk today about the true elder brother. Uh, we'll we'll kind of recap the, the parable in just a few moments. And we're going to talk about searching for lost things today. We're going to talk about searching for the lost. Jesus told three parables in Luke 15 uh, that we're going to, we're going to look at all three of them. The first two parables that he tells are a lot different than the third parable. And there's one major difference that we're going to look at. So we're going to look at all three parables today, uh, just a brief snippet of the prodigal son parable and, and the complete entirety of the first two parables, parable of the lost sheep and parable of the lost coin. Uh, but we're going to focus first on the third one, and then we're going to talk about the first two, and then we're going to pop back for just a minute on the third one. We're making our way through a book called The Prodigal God by Timothy Keller. And we've been studying it on Sunday mornings for the last four weeks. This is week five. Uh, I'm sorry, last three weeks. This is week four. Next week is week five, and that'll be the last uh, sermon in this series. Uh, We've been doing midweek Bible studies through this book as well. Uh, And uh, this week we have uh, week five, and then next week is the last week for this study. Uh, Just so you know, there's a new Monday night study coming up on a book called Respectable Sins. You can sign up for that on the sign-up table. Uh, I'll be announcing a Tuesday night study uh, next week as well uh, that we're going to continue doing on Tuesday nights. So we've been studying this book, The Prodigal God, for the last four weeks, and uh, we got one more week to go. Uh, And uh, next week we're going to talk about the Father's Feast. Uh, And then we're going to talk about heaven for four weeks. I've got four sermons planned on heaven and what it means to go to heaven and what heaven is like. 
uh, and uh, how do we go to heaven, things like that. So we're going to talk about heaven for four weeks. Then we're going to talk about generosity and giving for three weeks. And then we're going to talk about Christmas. Can you believe it? Christmas. Christmas is coming. Sean is getting fat. Er. Um, but uh, we're, we're going to talk about Christmas, and then we're going to go right into 2015, and we've got some cool stuff planned for 2015 as well. Uh, but right now, grab your bulletin and turn to page 3 to the handy-dandy outline. Grab your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 15, and we're going to talk about uh, the, the true elder brother this morning and who is our true elder brother. Uh, the first blank on your outline is, <clears throat> what does reconciliation cost? What does reconciliation cost? I want to recap the story of the parable of the prodigal son. You've got a father who has two sons. He's got a younger son and an older son, a younger brother and an elder brother. And these two sons couldn't be more different. You've got the elder brother who is, yeah, he's pretty mature and responsible. Um, he, is, uh, he does what he's supposed to do. He's obedient. Then you've got the younger brother who's more of a free spirit. And he, he's going to set out on a journey of self-discovery to find out who he really is. So he goes to his father and he says to his father, Father, I want my share of the inheritance. Now, this may seem like an innocuous request. may not seem like a big deal. But it's really a big deal because when the, father go, when the son goes to the father and says, I want my share of the, the inheritance, he's saying, Father, I wish you were dead so that I could get my money now. I want my money now, and the only way I can get it is when you die. So in, a, in essence, I wish you were dead so I could have this money now. Father says, I'll give you the share of the inheritance. And he goes out and he has to, uh, again, most of their property was, uh, was tied up in land. He has to sell his property to get the money to give to his kid. And then his kid takes the money, says, see ya, I'm out of here. And he goes off to a foreign land, and the Bible says, Jesus says that he squandered it. He squandered his inheritance in wild living. So he is off in a foreign land uh, and he squanders in, in his inheritance and then a famine hits the land. Now he's in trouble because he's got no money. All his friends have run out on him because he's got no money and uh, he's got no place to live, no place to stay, no friends and no money. So what he does is he decides that he's going to go out and hire himself out to a farmer to feed pigs. Every uh, Jewish mama's dream uh, for her good little Jewish boy is to go out and feed the most unclean of animals, living with pigs. Not quite. So you've got him living with the pigs, feeding the pigs. In fact, the Bible says that he got so hungry that he wanted to fill his belly with the food that the pigs were eating. I'm so hungry, I wish I was eating pig food. Any of you ever been there? No? You've never done what the prodigal son did then, did you? I was so hungry, I wish that I could eat pig food. And then he's pretty much hit the rock bottom. He's pretty much at the end of his rope. He doesn't know what to do, and he concocts a plan. He hatches a scheme. I know my father, back home, he remembers home. My father has slaves and servants who are living better than I am here among the pigs, living in the pigsty. I know what I'll do. I'm going to go home. I'm going to tell my father, Father, I am unworthy to be called your son. I don't even deserve to live here anymore. And if you'll just give me a job, if you'll just let me work for you, then uh, that'll be great. 
That, that's all I need. I just need a job. Dad, would you give me a job? So he quits his job at the pig farm and heads for home. The Bible says, Jesus says that while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And he ran to him. In those days, Middle Eastern men did not run. Children ran. Teenagers ran. Women might run. Men did not run. It was uh, an embarrassing act. It was demeaning. You just didn't run. His father, uh, completely oblivious, completely uh, without forethought, runs to his son and kisses him. And his son begins to, to, to give the speech that he's re- rehearsed. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. I, I'm not worthy to be called your son. His father will not have anything to do with this. He will not hear of it. And he says, my son, I'm so glad to see you. You're alive. I thought you were dead. You're, you were lost. Now you're found. Uh, come quickly. He calls the servants. Bring me a robe. And, and, you know, what's the kid been doing? He's been living with pigs. So he's got these dirty, tattered clothes on, smells like pigs. Bring me the nicest robe and put it on him. Bring me the family ring, the signet ring. This was like a legal ring that that had the family symbol on it. That when you went to uh, create a legal document, they'd pour wax on it and they'd push the the signet ring into it uh, in order to say that this was a legal document, that the, the family signature was on it. Bring me the family ring. And he puts the ring on his finger, symbolizing that he's been brought back into the family. Kill the fattened calf. Again, the fattened calf, not a fattened calf, not a goat, uh, not a cow, the fattened calf, the only one, the best of the best. We're going to cater this party with tables. If you like tables. So, kill the fattened calf. We're going to celebrate. He invites the entire community to come in and celebrate with them. They're having a party. Meanwhile, the older son, the good son, the responsible one, is out in the fields working for his father. Doing what he's supposed to do. Obeying his dad. The end of the workday comes. He's tired, he's sweaty, he just wants a glass of water. Comes strolling up the house and and he hears something he hasn't heard in a long time. He hears dancing. And he hears music. And now he hasn't heard this in a long time because there's been no reason to celebrate. And now people are celebrating. What's going on? And he calls one of the servants to him and says, what's going on? Why, why do I hear dancing? Why do I hear music? And, and the servant tells him, well, your brother's come home. My what? Your brother's come home. Your dad's killed the fattened calf, and, and they're having a party. He, he's what? Uh, the older brother is furious. He's angry and refuses to go into the celebration. He refuses to go into the party. And he stands outside sulking in a pity party for himself. The father has to leave the party, and he completely breaks social custom, and he leaves the party to go out to his son and say, why won't you come in? What's the matter? Pick it up. Look at Luke 15, starting verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went and out and pleaded with him. Verse 29. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Do you see what he calls himself there? All these years I've been slaving for you. I'm not your son. I'm your slave. How much does that break the father's heart? 
All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. You killed a fattened calf. You've catered this party with tables. And you won't even take me to McDonald's for crying out loud. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Do you hear the angry, bitter resentment in the voice of the elder brother? Do you hear the anger in his voice? Why is he so angry? Why is he so bitter? Why is he so resentful? I mean, what is, what is the deal with this guy? What is the problem here? The problem is the cost. The cost to bring the younger son home. You see, it didn't cost the younger son anything to come home. He just had to make up his mind that he was going to come home. It didn't cost him a thing. His welcome back into the family, the robe, the ring, the fattened calf, everything, forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration, it was all free. Didn't cost him a thing. But you see, forgiveness is never free. Reconciliation is never free. free. Being brought into the family, it's not free. It costs somebody something. And in this story, it costs the older brother. The elder brother has to pay the cost to bring the son, the younger brother, back into the family. For the father was full of grace. And the father welcomed the younger brother back home. And the father welcomed him in for free. And this is what God does for us. He welcomes us into his family free. His grace is free. His forgiveness is free. The Bible says that if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you will believe in him, repent from your sins, confess your faith and be baptized, you're free and forgiven. You're set free, free from the consequences of sin, free from the punishment of hell. You are free and it costs you nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's free. That's what God does for us. It's what this father was willing to do for his younger brother. But somebody has to pay for it along the line. Somebody has to pay for it. It's free for us, but it's very costly for someone else. The elder brother was keeping tabs on the cost. See, the younger brother took his share, and he went out and he wasted it. Completely wasted it. Everything that was legally his, everything he had the right to was gone. He was legally entitled to nothing. And everything that when he tells, when the father tells the elder brother, everything I have is yours, he's not lying. He's telling the truth. Everything I have is yours. And the elder brother, <laughs> I think he wanted to correct his father. Let's, let's be realistic here, Dad. Not everything is mine now. Because that, that robe of yours that was mine, well, now you gave it to him. That ring that was mine, you gave it to him. That fattened calf that is mine you gave it to him this party this feast this celebration it was mine and you gave it to him the cost 
is what made the elder brother so angry. The younger brother was entitled to nothing, and the elder brother had everything except the things that the father gave him that belonged to the elder brother, rightfully belonged to him, and now the father was just giving them away. In fact, when the father welcomes him back into the family, he makes him an heir again. The two-thirds was going to be divided one more time. One-third and two-thirds. The elder brother was losing here, and he's very, very angry. The salvation of the younger brother is not free for the elder brother because it costs him very much. Salvation, forgiveness, reconciliation, these things are not free. They do cost someone. So the younger brother either has to earn his way back into the family, he has to buy himself back into the family, or he has to be welcomed back by forgiveness. Someone has to pay. And in this story, it is the elder brother who has to pay. And the elder brother doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it. Well, for the next blank on your outline, let's back up just a little bit further. The next blank on your outline is um, where is the elder brother? Where is the elder brother? Let's look at the first two parables real quick. Let's read, starting in verse 3 of chapter 15. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, Excuse me, that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Three parables in Luke 15. And Jesus is talking to two different groups of people. He's talking to sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, the bad people. But he's also talking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the religious elite, the good people. So he's telling these three stories to bad people and good people, sinners and righteous people. The sinners and the tax collectors are like the younger brother. And the religious people, the religious elite, are like the elder brother. So in this first story that he tells them, there's a shepherd who's lost a sheep. What does he do when he loses his sheep? He goes out and searches for it. The shepherd searches for his sheep. In the second story, he tells the story of a woman who lost a coin, a valuable coin. And he, she goes out and she searches for the coin until she finds it. And when they find the sheep, when they find the coin, they celebrate. So those Two stories are very similar, and they have this searching and finding in common. And then Jesus tells the third story, the parable of the prodigal son. And there is one glaring difference between the first two stories and the third story. What do you suppose that is? Where is the elder brother? Nobody goes and searches for the son. Nobody goes and searches for or the younger brother. Your natural assumption after listening to these first two stories is, oh, okay, in the third story, someone's going to go search for the younger brother and bring him back home. Nobody goes. Younger brother goes out, parties it up. Nobody goes to find him. Now, the father can't go. The father runs the estate. 
The father uh, has a standing in the community. He can't go search for the younger son. No, you see, in those days, it would have been very well understood that it was the elder brother's job to go and find the younger brother. That's why he got the lion's share of the estate. That's why he got two-thirds. His job, when the father dies, his job is to keep the family together, to keep the family together in the community and as a family unit. That's his job. And that's why he got all the money, to keep the family together, to sustain the family. He is the one who should have gone searching for his younger brother. Am I my brother's keeper? Absolutely. He's absolutely his brother's keeper. He should have said, my little brother is missing and I have to go find him. I'm going to find him and I'm going to bring him back home. I don't care about what it costs me. I am going to go and I will bring him back home. The elder brother doesn't do this in the story. And we are left wondering, where is the elder brother? Who is going to go find this younger brother? And that's the last, the third blank on your outline is, who is our true elder brother? Who is the true elder brother? The elder, the true elder brother that we are longing for in this story is the true elder brother who did not leave home uh, to go to a foreign country to bring a brother back home. No, the true elder brother left heaven to come to earth to bring his brothers and sisters home. He did not open his wallet and care about the cost of what it would take to bring us home. He poured out his life to bring us home. He did not pay a finite cost, but the one who paid our infinite debt is Jesus Christ, and he is our true elder brother. He left the riches and the glory of heaven to come to earth to find us. He left the adulation and the adoration of angels to come to earth in order to find us, to suffer on the cross, to die on the cross so that we could be brought home. He paid the ultimate price to bring about the restoration and the reconciliation that we need so that we can be made part of the family of God. He suffered on our behalf so that we do not have to suffer. We get the Father's robe because Christ was stripped naked on the cross. We get the, the, the Father's feast. We get the Father's feast because Jesus drank the Father's cup of wrath. We get the Father's ring because Jesus wore the crown of thorns. Jesus is our true elder brother. He suffered and he died on the cross. And we get the benefits of his sacrifice. We get the benefits of what he did for us. We are welcomed into God's family because Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for our sins. So how do we know this? How do we know that Jesus is our true elder brother? It's because that's what he tells us. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 11, this will be the last blank on your outline. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. You see, we are Jesus' brothers and sisters. He is our true elder brother. He is not ashamed to call you his brother. He is not ashamed to call you his sister. He came to earth to seek and to save the lost. He went to the cross to bring about forgiveness and reconciliation with the Father. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21 gives us a purpose. It gives us a, a, a mission and, and a plan and what we need to do. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who has reconciled himself, uh, us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We have been given a ministry of reconciliation. We have been saved. Not merely to, to reap the benefits of salvation. To not merely reap the benefits of God's grace. Not to look down our noses at people who we consider sinners. We have been saved and we have been given purpose. Our job is to seek and to save the lost through God's grace. And to bring them into God's family. This is our job. We are ambassadors for Jesus. We have a mission and a purpose as a church. We have a purpose to help people follow Jesus. So that they'll hear the gospel. And that they will put their faith and trust in Christ. And they will be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. And they will get to go to heaven. And they will get to live their lives for Jesus. And they will follow him all the days of their lives. Until they reach the pearly gates of heaven. We share God's love and grace with the world. We go out and we make disciples by baptizing and teaching and helping them follow Jesus. This is what we're called to do. We are now the elder brother. So who is your younger brother? I, I, I don't necessarily mean in your family. I mean in your life. Who is your younger brother? Who has wandered away? Who has lost their way? Who is your younger brother? Who are you to be seeking? Who are you to be searching for? Jesus wants to rescue them. He wants to save them. He wants to bring them back to life though they were dead. He has already, he paid the cost. I said earlier, salvation is not free. It costs someone dearly. It costs Jesus his life. And he has paid the cost. He has paid the price in full. Imagine, imagine you go through the line at Dunkin' Donuts. And you pull up in your car, and the lady tells you behind the counter, there's no charge. What do you mean there's no charge? The person in the car in front of you paid the cost. This happened recently down in Florida at a Starbucks. Person came through, paid for the person behind him. For hours it went on as the next person paid for the person behind them. 187 cars went through and the person in front paid for the person behind them over and over and over again until one person finally said, no, nope, I don't want to do it. Not kidding. It actually happened down in Florida. Jesus paid the price, not for your coffee, not for your donut, but for your salvation. Jesus paid the price and the bill is paid in full. He has paid the, the cost to bring us home. And it costs us nothing, but it costs Jesus everything. So let us be like Jesus. He is our true elder brother, and he wants to bring all of the lost children home. And so what he did for us, we must now do for others. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have paid the price through your son, Jesus Christ. That the bill is paid in full. The penalty has been paid. The price has been paid. And now our salvation costs us nothing. And out of gratitude and joy, out of this amazing 
love that you have shown us, we respond in obedience to bring pleasure to you. Thank you for the salvation that you give. And thank you for paying the price by sending your son. I pray today for those here who who maybe heard the gospel for the first time or maybe watching online and heard the gospel for the first time about this amazing love that you have for the world that you sent your son Jesus to die for our sins. And now we can be free and forgiven. I pray that today you would touch our hearts. Give us the heart of Jesus, a true elder brother heart to go out and to seek and to save the lost as Jesus came seeking and saving us. We give you praise and thanks for this wonderful gospel, for this good news that we can believe and be saved. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.